Hello and welcome to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. I'm Alex. I'm Julio, and thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Help promote the algorithm and spread the word. You can also find us on SoundCloud to subscribe and review. And don't forget to visit our main website, wearethecontrarians.com. Follow us on Twitter at Contrarian Prime. And to like us on Facebook, visit facebook.com slash Contrarian Prime. And if you have the willpower to keep up with our pretentious ramblings, you can follow us individually at Contrarian Alex for myself and at Ovnio for Julio. That's O-V-N-I-O. Now, time for the podcast. And we are recording for Crossroads, Contrarian's Corner. Hello, and welcome back to the Contrarian Summer Road Trip here on the Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. My name is Alex, joined as always by my friend and co-host Julio. Julio, how are you doing on this hot Tuesday evening? Well, we've hit the the midpoint, I think, on this trip. The early part of the 2000s? Yeah, the, the feminine side of the Contrarians. So to speak. Well, I don't know. It's counterbalanced pretty well with Dan Aykroyd's presence. So measured cameos throughout the movie, and, and then really overpowered Mount, who we come to know and love as Ben, the the poor man's Killian Murphy, who later and later by later I mean in this year, the second season of uh, uh, Star Trek Discovery, he plays Captain Christopher Pike. So he has come Anson a long Mount? way. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, God bless him. Unrecognizable. You wouldn't think of it. Just watching him in this movie, drooling all over Britney Spears like the rest of us. And then somehow he becomes a Starfleet captain, what, 20 years down the road? Yeah. And then the Justin Long also, <laughs> God rest his soul. Well, the Justin Long story is a little different. <laughs> but if you couldn't tell already by these uh, actors, actresses, and name drops that we're hitting you with... We are here today to join Britney Spears on her cross-country journey in Crossroads, the 2002, I use the word seminal a lot on here, so I'm trying to think of a synonym for that, but um, Britney Spears' vehicle, yeah, her formal introduction to Hollywood. Yeah, for those people who were not aware of her as a, as a pop star, I guess, that minuscule percentage of the population that... Uh, hadn't been captivated by her as a as a pop singer here comes crossroads a film in which some may call it propaganda i just call it good marketing uh, but being that we are the contrarians here what we like to do on our podcast is uh rage against the rotten tomatoes machine as we like to say we find a movie that's highly ranked on rotten tomatoes uh argue against that and vice versa find a movie that's low nasty green splotch and make a case for why it is entertaining and holds merit can you listeners guess <laughs> can you guess what britney spears crossroads from 2002 is ranked and that's true it's rotten you yeah. guessed it correct at correct. a meager 14 percent. as we're going uh, trading off and on here on the summer road trip uh we're going i think to the lowest part of the barrel that we we're going to reach during this trip oh no i think it gets worse isn't our last stop in like 11 or 10 percent 
Oh, I guess I don't know. I thought this was as low as we were getting. So being that it was a 14%, this uh, piece of marketing material for Britney Spears wasn't really setting the world on fire. We'll get to the monetary gains in the second portion. Uh, but Julio, with that being said, before we launch into Contrarian's Corner, 14% means the critics weren't being too kind. Uh, not at all. Uh, I got three quotes here from the Run Tomatoes website, starting with, with a big name, a heavy hitter. Peter Travers from Rolling Stone says, If you're not the target demographic, this movie is one long chick flick slog. Well, no shit, Peter Travers. <laughs> <laughs> that applies to any movie that you're not the demographic for. If you're not the demographic for fucking Star Wars, it's going to be a long sci-fi slog. <laughs> yeah. Man. If you're not the demographic for Return of the King, God have mercy on you. <laughs> Rolling Stone play, uh, paid this man to write that. It's true. Um, okay, on a more indie criticism side of things, uh, Nell Minow from Common Sense Media says, Britney Bomb isn't appropriate for her young fans. Okay. Understandable. <laughs> Given what we know now, having watched the movie, I can see how this movie... Is it PG-13? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's a hard PG-13. Yes. We'll get into that. And finally, Jane Dark from The Village Voice says, The kind of movie that seems like a very extensive trailer for a music video coming soon to Total Request Live. Ah, uh, TRL. Yeah, I mean... I miss those days. It is an MTV production, MTV mm. Films production. But I, I don't know. I, I think that she got it backwards. I think that this is the kind of movie where the trailer, no matter how you cut it, would look like a music video. Mm -hmm. But that's not the same. The movie is a movie. Yes. Wait. Themes, characters, <laughs> development, <laughs> conflict, drama, pathos. Uh, anyway. Crossroads takes us. Well, first of all, this is Contrarian's Corner. This is, like I mentioned, <laughs> where we uh, make a case to argue against the Rotten Tomatoes ranking for a particular film. If you want to know how we really feel about this, stick around to the second half entitled Real Talk, where it's pretty self-explanatory. Be, we'll be talking about real feelings, but right now... Because it's rotten, we're going to talk about this movie as if it was fresh. Crossroads takes us to Live Oak, Georgia. After all, Britney Spears is just a good country girl. The girl next door uh, with her father, Dan Aykroyd. Play the parts of Pete. Lucy Wagner. And is it Pete? I just remember his uh, his name Pete tag. Pete Wagner. His, yes. his name tag on his, on his, on his uh, 1C. He's a, he's a mechanic. Yeah. So... The movie starts off with three little girls, three friends. Uh, the young Lucy, fittingly enough, played by Jamie Lynn Spears. Uh, three little girls burying their dreams in a box out in a Dark field somewhere. Dark shit. Yeah. The, what they're going to grow up and do, how they're going to take over the world. And I guess their solemn agreement is that they will open it the night of their high school graduation. Because, yeah. you know, when you're a little kid, you think that's the end of the world. It's like, well, that's when it's going to end. <laughs> when so I'm old, I want to see. It. Yeah, exactly. I want to see what I've accomplished so far. Uh, her two friends, Mimi, who grows up to be played by Taryn Manning, and Kit, who becomes the heartthrob, the most popular girl in school, played by I, Uhura. Uhura. Okay. Uhura, uh, Gamora. She's all over pop culture. These days, she plays... Girl in Avatar. Exactly, Girl yeah. in Avatar, so... That people had the fucking temerity to uh, postulate that she should have been nominated for an Oscar in that? I mean, certainly over, certainly over uh, the charismatic enigma. But What's like, his name? <laughs> Sam Worthington. <laughs> Sam Worthington. Uh, no, my argument was just like, 
it was just it was her voice acting. So no, you, there's motion capture. Eat my ass, Julio. <laughs> if so, anything, it would have been an honorary Oscar for her contributions to the genre, starting here at Crossroads. Whatever the case, uh, nine, eight or nine years before that, Zoe Saldana was too busy being the most popular girl in high school at uh, uh, Live Oak High. It's like she had seen her future, and yes. she knew she had no time for Britney Spears or uh, Mimi. Minnie, Minnie, who uh, not Mimi from the Drew Carey show. Common misconception with this movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Minnie grows up to be in real life. She's in uh, Orange Is the New Black, which I don't really watch that show, but I watched the first few episodes. It's actually just the natural progression of the Mimi character. <laughs> She would end up in jail. Because she becomes the rough and tumble, trailer trash, teenage burnout, and also pregnant. And uh, She's the one that can throw a, can throw a punch. Yeah. Is... We'll find out later in the movie, though, about her story is not as cliche and trite as we think it is here. It's in an M. Night Shyamalan subplot. <laughs> Even he doesn't think it's shit that dark. So... Lucy is a valedictorian. She uh, is not, I wouldn't say an outcast, but her best friend at school is played by Justin Long Henry, their lab partners. She definitely uh, is not Britney Spears at this high school. Which is a hell of an achievement to play convincingly. Because she is Liv Tyler. She's Corey from Empire (laughs) Records. Yeah, she is not, it's not like they change the way she looks. So you really the movie's asking you from the beginning to to take this leap of faith that mm-hmm. okay, believe me, Britney Spears is not popular. Zoe Zalan is popular and that we can buy. Yeah. And then uh the other girl they they dress her to her like you're like, Oh yeah, she's kind of a tomboy, she's she's rough. Like you understand why she's not very popular. But Britney Spears, that's when you see her, and of course, because you know Britney Spears by then, it's hard to buy until she starts acting. Mm-hmm. That's when the craft comes in. Our introduction to Lucy is uh, also our introduction to Britney Spears as a woman. It's fucking the first shot we see of Britney is her in a nightie in her panties singing Madonna. Yeah, and before you talk about uh, you know the uh, the male gaze and all stuff, this was shot by a woman. It's directed by a woman, so it's classy. It has no ulterior motives other than just praising the female form. Much like the uh, sex scenes in Blue is the Warmest Color, the director left the set. <laughs> And made everyone leave. It's just, you know, do your thing. We're going to put Madonna on. We'll just see what comes of this. I trust you. Yeah. A rather innocent shot of Britney Spears in her panties singing an absolutely phenomenal Madonna song. But I think that that's what you, that's what we came for. As you mentioned also, a symbolic passing of the torch by MTV. Oh, yeah. Madonna wasn't going to willingly hand it over, so they took it from her. And handed it to Britney here in this opening scene. Yeah, but, but it's, you came to watch Crossroads, a Britney Spears movie. You're expecting Britney Spears to dance, to sing, to be at least somewhat uh, similar to Britney Spears in real life. So it makes sense that the first time you see her as an adult, or as a young adult, is is singing and dancing. And the underworld thing is just kind of like to show you, look, we're not going to make you wait. <laughs> you know it's coming. Don't worry, there's more coming. <laughs> yeah. We I forgot to mention also when we were getting our establishing uh, shots of Mimi... Lucy and Zoe Saldana's character's name is Kit. Kit like chastises Lucy for being a virgin. Again, here playing into uh, some of the un 
warranted criticism about this being a, a marketing piece for Britney Spears and making sure her image was maintained. Because I don't remember, no, if you recall, but uh, that was a very big thing. Part of her image was that she was a virgin. Was saving she, was, herself. She, was a, she was a sultry virgin. She was saving herself for Ben in Crossroads. Oh, for, I, I think that uh, my young self just chose to completely avoid all the all the all the mythos, all the mythology of uh, of the Britney Spears character, and just take it at face value, face value for just her music videos. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about. Britney Spears and her importance to my development in the second portion of this podcast. But moving along here, it's pretty clear that Pete is, uh, he loves his daughter dearly, but wants the best for her and pushes her uh, to the point where, you know, she's valedictorian, but she also has regrets about what she did in high school. She thinks, you know, we get this really emotional scene where she explains that, you know, I never had any fun. I never went out and did all these things. And uh, Dan Aykroyd, you know, he does the best that he can to uh, relate to it. It, it. You get the impression that he's kind of had not the easiest 18 years raising this girl <laughs> by himself. But also, Dan Aykroyd successfully carving a niche for himself as as just playing the single dad mm-hmm. in movies, right? Yeah. Because I turned to you halfway through this and I said, hey, who plays the dad in Loser? And we had to think about it for a moment because I was getting strong loser vibes. I knew it scene. in my heart, but I still had to look it up to confirm right. that it was Dan Aykroyd. It is Dan Aykroyd. And I'm sure if, if John Goodman hadn't been available in Coyote Ugly, that would have been Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> I'm just imagining Dan Aykroyd or no, fucking John Goodman in this. The Cloverfield Lane just pulls the gun out and shoots the fucking uh, Justin Long. <laughs> You want to do what to my daughter? <laughs> Spoiler. Okay, so apparently in Live Oak, on the last day of high school and graduation night, there's a big dance of some sort, and they have Bowling for Soup play there. That's who was actually playing in that I scene. I was going to ask you, was that a band? Because it being an MTV film, yeah. it'd be crazy for it not to be a band, like an actual band. Or Matt Damon up there singing some really catchy tune. So the dance, Bowling for Soup. Uh, everyone's dancing, hopping about to the, the, the music that kids do. The guitarist in the band is uh, Pike. I keep forgetting the actor's name, but Ben is the character in this. Uh, Anson Mount. The popular girls look at him, talk about what a hunk he is, yada yada. The skinny on him is that he just got out of the pen. He did six months for killing someone. So uh, The girls take it in stride. Punishment for capital murder in Georgia is not quite that of Texas. Well, he didn't mean it. <laughs> he said he was sorry. <laughs> so, in an attempt to kind of mark the occasion and do something that'll be remembered forever. Justin Long has fucking conned his way into having sex with Britney Spears. So this is the this is the moment really this should have been Britney Spears Oscar clip even though it's not constructed an Oscar clip just because her acting is pushed to the limits. She has to convince us that she's not a virgin by choice. That basically she's going to have sex with 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 uh Justin Long because well they haven't gotten to it. Yeah. You know, it's like they both want to not be virgins going to college, and somehow they're still virgins, and they're good friends, so why not? We get a shot of Britney Spears coming out in a blazer and a pink set of brawn panties that was um, a very... (laughs) I can see Alex's mind as as he's searching for appropriate terms. In high school and early college, the the kids called a GIF that... uh, 
was very paramount to myself and some friends hard drives on their computer now i knew that that britney spears was going to look great were you as surprised as i was to see that justin long was in pretty good shape he looked pretty cut yeah i mean because but you don't notice until he takes his clothes off when you first see him, he looks kind of schlobby. So used to him being a fraud that I'm not used to him actually <laughs> looking anything genuine. But yeah, he prepared this list of why they need to have sex, why it's good. And th this fucking goober, he just wants to do it to just kind of get it over with because he needs practice. I know. Not because it's Britney Spears. Not because like one of the hottest women to ever live in her fucking peak is sitting right in front of you. Uh, um, and this fucking dork turns on Marvin Gaye. I mean, that's an incredible all-time song. But, but he, you need to earn it. You yeah. don't just go to Marvin Gaye from the beginning. And the thing is, for all... I mean, that's a flaw of the character. But Justin Long, as a performer, he nails it. Best performance of the movie in just this brief amount of time. Because he his reaction to seeing Britney come out of that bathroom and his overall awkwardness yeah. is... He nails it. That's exactly how... Any straight male would react in that situation. Yeah. I mean, especially at 18, you've had that aggression, not aggression is the right word, but just that uh, carnal desire building up for so long. And then you have Miss Brittany right in front of you there, Miss Lucy. She, they begin to kiss and she just giggles and she's like, no, nah, this isn't going to work. You, I, need, I need my first time to be special. The three former friends end their evening at the site of their box of dreams. They dig it up together and they're very strong with tradition they're very tied to their traditions because it really seems like they really don't hang out or care for each other anymore but they dig up this box and there's trinkets tchotchkes of all sorts in there there's a keychain of the world because they were going to conquer the world and then there's also an ad for like uh record label auditions or some shit oh was that inside the box i thought that uh, uh... It, it wasn't the one for the the audition they go oh, to okay, but it okay, was like okay. a previous one and Mimi lets the cat out of the bag that, hey, I'm driving to L.A. because I'm going to try out. I'm going to audition for this record label because, you know, I like singing. And <laughs> By the way, I'm pregnant. Yeah. And <laughs> she's pregnant. Uh, Zoe Saldana has got a boyfriend at UCLA. Fiance. Fiance. Yeah. She wants to go see him. So she's mulling it around. And, you know, I think this is Lucy, Brittany's uh, moment of reflection of, you know, I said I've never done anything fun. So they kind of all leave frayed but then the next morning lucy and kit are at uh, mimi's house ready to go well she has that extra incentive too that uh we i mean we're not giving much information but they, they, we just infer from a conversation she has with uh dan Aykroyd that mm -hmm. her mom left them yes when she was you young up on that yeah. and that she the mom lives somewhere in california or somewhere in the way right mm -hmm. because yeah she says you can drop me off in arizona and uh, and you guys go off to the audition. Yeah, so this is where we meet Ben, Anson, Pike. He... When you say Pike, I think of Buffy. Yeah. Captain Pike. Captain Pike. Pike is a fish. <laughs> ben is here to drive us. He has an old vehicle, and he's just someone that Mimi hung around with. He seems like a pretty no-nonsense dude. Again, this is the gentleman that they think killed someone. So, at this point, Brittany doesn't know that because she wouldn't have jumped in the car otherwise. Well, so she says. But really, deep down, she she's was, looking for She adventure. was just chasing adventure at this <laughs> yeah. point. So, they hit the road. Uh, early on into the trip, we get a delicious, uh, you know, some would call it an Easter egg, an homage, what have you. The, the women commandeer the radio and turn on Bye Bye Bye. 
And Brittany begins singing along to it as it was the longstanding rumor at the time that she and fellow former Mickey Mouse Club uh, member Justin Timberlake were indeed canoodling. Yeah, it was the filmmakers fanning the flames. <laughs> Just like uh, when you're trying to get a fire started. <laughs> and that would be the next year when Brittany made out with Madonna on the MTV Video Music Awards. And they that was that Madonna and Christina Aguilera, right? Oh we yes, all together. Yeah. And then Missy Hyatt came out and fucking ripped shit up. I just remember because they the fucking whoever was in the the truck that night directing it, it was fucking you know Lars von Trier just made sure there was a hard camera on Justin Timberlake's reaction. Uh, yes, he Suffa was learning. Boy. He was learning like we did in this movie that uh, she was no longer a girl, not yet a woman. Until she made out with Madonna. Right. <laughs> that was the true right of that passage. That makes an adult out of all of us. Quickly into the trip, we discover, of course, these fucking girls don't know what they're doing. They have low funds. Ben's just there driving, uh, but he's not going to let anyone else drive. So they pull over, uh, says, we're going to sleep in this field. Britney Spears says, fuck that. My dad's Dan Aykroyd. He wouldn't stand for this. <laughs> How much money do we have? As with all great road trips, they end up at a Waffle House at like 2 in the morning or something. Iconic. Yeah. And this, again... Britney Spears, Lucy, is this fucking Swiss army knife because we just keep getting these traits of hers rolled out one after the other. And here she's just really good at math and she's able to just quickly on the spot do like a budget for the entire trip. I mean, she was a valedictorian. I I would expect no less. Yes. Actually, I kind of would have gone for a scene of them in the woods where she like chopped down a tree and made a fire out of it. (laughs) Deleted scenes, director's cut. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Cheap hotel. It's what you'd expect in terms of character development. Zoe Saldana doesn't want it, but accepts it because the camaraderie is there. Uh, we get Britney Spears in a towel, not unlike Bruce Willis in Pulp Fiction. The movie, as you can tell, is hitting everything that you wanted from it. Mm-hmm. And kudos to that. Because it's not like it makes a great show of it. It's very casually giving you everything you wanted, uh, which is good because once you get into the second half of the movie, it's going to pull the rug out of uh, from under you. And and so it's good that it's, it's getting you all the comfort ahead of time. It does get you into a place of uh, a false sense of security. Right. And you think you know what's coming and you You, you think don't. you got it down. Yeah. You think you got the pattern down. Song, bringing her underwear, another song. Uh, mysterious Cap- guy. Mysterious guy. Captain Pike take his shirt off. <laughs> song. <laughs> Breathing her towel. You, you kind of feel, every now and then, uh, Uhura complains about something. We get shots of Dan Aykroyd working on cars. His <laughs> fingernails always just really dirty. Uh, this is where Brittany finds out that the word on Ben is that he was in the clink for killing someone. And she says, Do you think I would go on this if I knew this? And then we get like an awesome Three Stooges shot of the three of them peeking out like a totem pole out of the bathroom. And he's just playing his guitar like, What's up? And Movie continues on. As with any good road trip movie, we've got to focus on the soundtrack here. And uh, from a monetary standpoint and also just uh, putting your stamp on its individuality, you know, some people would criticize a movie for using covers of vastly superior songs. Like in this particular scene, there's a cover of Kill a Man by Rage Against the Machine that some people would say is probably not as good as the Rage Against the Machine song. But that's just what the the studio was wanting here. MTV MTV could have bought and sold Rage Against the Machine if they wanted to, but they wanted something different. Yeah, and you don't want the the personalities to overshadow the personality of the music to overshadow the personalities 
in the movie. Exactly. Rage Against the Machine, I love them and everything, but they come with a lot of political baggage. Oh, yeah. So even if you put 30 seconds of their song in the movie, you're automatically making it a political vehicle. Tamara Davis tried to meet with uh, Tom Morello, and it... <laughs> it wasn't happening? No. The, the figures he was asking for were just unfounded. She couldn't get past like the three tests before she could even talk to him. Um, but it, it also the music it is something that helps flesh out the character of uh, Captain Pike because he he's like a man's man. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, uh, of the part that you don't expect in this movie is to be witness to his transformation into somebody who is just more in touch with his, uh, with his feminine side. Yeah, that it's it's a it's a movie long journey, and and it starts with him just you know turning off the sync and then you know cranking up the the Rage Against the Machine cover and so on. So it's it's one of the most interesting things to watch as you uh, as the movie develops, mm-hmm. just his gradual change. One of the stops on the road trip here, it looks like a big lots or some convenience smart, and this is really just an exposition for Mimi to discuss. You know her plans for teen pregnancy and what she what she's going through, what she can expect, uh, her decision to keep it. Is this are we in Louisiana yet? We're we're getting to that point. Before we can do that, we see proof positive that Dan Aykroyd should have sternly uh, <laughs> been considered for the role of Jameson in the Spider-Man franchise, as he, you know, Britney's just too much of a kid she like hangs up on him before he can really like motherfucker but you can tell like dan Aykroyd with that big mustache and a cigar just yelling at peter parker just from this one little 30 second scene where he's just going off about how irresponsible and how worried he is about what she did because she just left in the night like left him a fucking note and we don't know what it said could have said gone drinking be back (laughs) what was that thing at Nobody uses it anymore, but like the away from keyboard uh, thing. Do you remember? Oh fuck! Yeah, it was B- like AFK. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I'll be back at some point. BRBZ. Yeah, um, that's good, but that's why you need uh, uh, an actor of uh, Ackroyd's caliber because he doesn't really get that much screen time. We've seen this time and again in these movies where we see serious major actors in bit roles, and that's because you need somebody that can get that emotion, can get that that. And, you know, give you a strong impression, a memorable performance in just like five minutes of screen time total. So, yeah. so yeah, he nails it here as the worried dad brings it home, and then yeah, she just hangs up on him, and we don't get to cut back to Dan Aykroyd. Just you know, presumably because we needed to keep it PG thirteen. <laughs> uh, Ben's car breaks down, seems to be overheating. Brittany is able to get out and immediately detect it's a leak in the radiator. Uh, for how much Ben cared about his car, it was kind of surprising that he couldn't see all the fucking antifreeze on the ground and then the steam <laughs> coming out of the radiator and kind of deduce what was going on. I think the bee surrounded by, by three super attractive young girls yeah. has clouded his judgment. That's a very fair statement. So he used to go get a tow truck there in Arkansas, I believe. And then fighting begins between uh, Kit and Mimi. Just general catty shit talking that, you know, general youths get into. And then it turns into kind of a, a somewhat of a scuffle to the point where Zoe Saldana has to yell, "You're pregnant!" <laughs> then she retorts, "I don't care." She'll care later in this movie. The ride finally know. shows up. They they're in Louisiana, not Arkansas. Excuse me, they were in Arkansas previously. Right, because they went okay. So they left Georgia, hit Arkansas, mm-hmm. Alabama. 
Yeah, and then we're in Louisiana now. The Waffle House was in Alabama because my note says Waffle House in Alabama sounds amazing. So they're bouncing around. I don't. Well, it's not like they have a map or GPS. I don't rightly know how New Orleans would be on the trail from Georgia to LA, but hey. They clearly they don't know. Some either. road trips, you just kind of you know you find your own way. <laughs> you just go in a straight line and then go with the road. So this is the turning point of the movie. They're broke, down in their luck. They need money to fix a car and also to make it to L.A. They get wind of a karaoke competition in, uh, I presume New Orleans. It looks like Bourbon Street that they're on. Uh, they go there. Zoe Saldana tells them we got to be sexy, so they're gonna go do karaoke because they. They play for tips. You get, it's it's like a, a white version of Showtime at the Apollo in terms of <laughs> if you're not good, you get booed off stage. If you're good, you get tips, that type of thing. It's a, it's an awesome karaoke setup because uh, they have a DJ that's just... Uh, He'll play know, the but, tracks, but then kind of screw them up. Yeah, chop and screw them if necessary. And we get up and Mimi is going to sing lead with... Lucy and Kit on backup. Which makes sense. But right? she really wimps out, man. <laughs> Which doesn't make sense. <laughs> like It was her it, dream. Uh, right. It's, she's going to LA. I she's the, like she's, a season, sorry. <laughs> she's the force behind this road trip. Uh because she's going to LA so she can audition for a record producer. So it makes sense for her to take the lead. And I loved just how the movie plays with our expectations because we know that the singer in this trio is not Mimi, it's Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. So when she says, you can play backup, everybody goes, huh? Yeah. Are we really going to get a musical number where Britney Spears is just in the background? And then, of course, Mimi freezes, and Britney, as we expected, comes out and, and just knocks it out of the park. Steps up, like Renee Zellweger in Empire Records. and Like Cameron Diaz in My Best Friend's Wedding. <laughs> steps up to the plate. And Mimi's like, yeah, go for it. So... Brittany brings the house down with a rendition of I Love Rock and Roll. They get enough tips to pay for the car and make it to L.A. Get in a better hotel next time they have a stop. All is good. Some local patron gets a bit too handsy with Lucy trying to dance with her to the point where Ben has to come up and fucking knocks him out with an elbow, which I give props for. Tamara, the director here. It's all too often you see a punch thrown in a movie, but a good standing Muay Thai elbow is something that I'll always give some appreciation to. Especially from, from a character that... It's kind of up in the air if he's killed someone or not. It's true. To be fair, that may have been Tamara Davis or it could have been uh, Shonda Rhimes, who we have not yet given uh, propers to. That's the, right. Shonda the, Rhimes. The writer of the film. She's the showrunner behind, what, Scandal? Yes. Grace Anatomy? Yes. <laughs> Limitless. <laughs> so we get a nice room in Louisiana. There's a mini bar there. Uh, fortunately, Mimi does not partake in this. But the fight, the... Aggression, the overall atmosphere has gotten Ben kind of riled up, and so he needs some time away. So the women, I like how he tells before he before he takes off, he goes up to Brittany and tells her, uh, "It was not your fault." Yes, <laughs> it was clearly not her fault. But every now and then, a little bit of mansplaining is necessary. <laughs> so we get the three women discussing far into the night and into the early morning. Uh, Kind of the trials and tribulations they've come across since they grew apart as friends at maybe like 13 or 12, somewhere in that range initially. Now they're all 18. Um, with Kit, it was an issue of being overweight and getting sent away to, you know, uh, on The Simpsons, they refer to it as image enhancement camp. 
Um, and but then just actually, to focus. when she became, you know, got into good shape and became pretty, it made her mom resent her more. Uh, Brittany tells the story of her mom leaving because she's always wanted to see her mom. And Dan Aykroyd, uh, Pete's kind of always told her, you know, it's, I think he's always tried to protect her from her mom and coming up soon. We'll find out why. And then, um, you know, the tone the movie set so far does not really prepare you for this, and I think that was intentional. Yeah, it's it's an all-nighter of a talk, too, because this starts in the evening, right? And then They're outside it's like, in the, the courtyard in the morning. Yeah, it's like dawn, and that's when, uh, when Mimi drops the bomb. Yeah, uh, essentially, she was assaulted after a party, and that's what led to her pregnancy. It wasn't her uh, on-again, off-again boyfriend... Uh, but it was who she's left behind. I mean, it's not like they were together, really. But they all seem surprised when she f- reveals that he's not the father. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, she just describes it as a, a guy at a party who offered to give her a ride home, and uh, unfortunately, she was assaulted that night. Since then, she uh, she didn't go to the police because she didn't know who it was. She since got with a lawyer in Atlanta, who had kind of led her on to a program in which. Um, you know, just comparing a movie off the top of our head that we've done, similar to the plot of Juno, where a teen it becomes pregnant, gives birth to a baby, and then allows a an older couple to adopt it. Only Ellen Page didn't go on a fun road trip. Yeah, with plenty of karaoke and. No, we were we were better off in this one. So, <laughs> but it's 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 a sobering. Extremely. Scene. Yeah, we've been having fun. We've been singing along. We've been ogling beautiful bodies, male and female. Enjoying a little bit of violence delivered to the right people, people that deserved it. We've been, you know, the the most that we've been concerned about is Dan Aykroyd's health. <laughs> because, you know, it's a dad, high pressure, he doesn't know where his, his daughter is. And suddenly, the movie just screeches to a halt and just gets real. Yes. It brings real life into the world. So after this discussion, it all brings them closer together as a group. We see them the, the morning after, I guess, a continuation of the same morning all walking arm-in-arm, hand-in-hand. They find Ben asleep in the backseat of his car. They agree to, uh, by Lucy's request, not wake him. She fishes the keys out of his pocket. They start the car. They take off. Uh, At first, they're a bit worried about waking him with noise, but they quickly, uh, once uh, Shania Twain comes on the radio, they abandon all that and just, fuck it, let's get to it. Ben awakes to... uh, feel like a woman <laughs> demands they pull over literally the, i yeah. mean the scene that follows it's it's him explaining that he feels like a woman and it's all their fault he snaps this is fucking uh paul dano what was his character's name in little miss sunshine wayne wade wayne wayne yeah okay goes, yeah Fuck! yeah it's him <laughs> kicking the side of the car and uh in this case zoe saldana steve carell can we pull over please <laughs> It's it's good because we needed a pick me up mm-hmm. after after how dark it got earlier and uh, and this is perfect because it's the movie's not a hundred percent making fun of of Captain Pike here it's it's trying to be uh, empathetic to his to his really silly issues without not acknowledging that they're kind of silly because his big deal is listen I'm a guy. And I've been surrounded by girls for Chicks. days. Yeah. Chicks, man. Yeah. They're just rubbing off on me. I just I can't listen to my music. My car is all I have left. <laughs> yeah. You can't take my car away from me. And then girls girls are so forgiving. Yeah. They don't get 
tangled up in this stupid shit. They're like, okay. They're understanding <laughs> that we're just idiots. You can drive. Men are just fucking animals. So, yeah, he gets back in there. And then Brittany chooses this as a good time as any. He'd be like, hey, did you kill a guy? <laughs> and it turns out, no. It turns out he was trying to do something that was noble. He was trying to, uh, I don't want to use the word rescue, but uh, aid his stepsister in getting away from their stepfather who was beating her. Uh, unfortunately, since they weren't related by blood and he transported her over state lines, it caused some gray issues with the law. He had to do six months in the, in the pen. Uh, and I think a year of probation is what he said, but he said in the end he got the stepsister back with her mom. So got him, got her away from the issue. So we're out camping. We learned that Britney Spears has been keeping a journal. Uh, Lucy, as it were, has been keeping a journal for the duration of this movie where she writes poems. And I'm not sure I've ever seen this with the best original song winner. The idea that one of the characters wrote that song. Right. As a poem, not just, you know. But this is uh, also, I I was, I, I can't figure out the timeline. So this song, because what happens is she ends up writing a song that is an actual Britney Spears song. Oh, yeah. It was a big hit. Uh, so was it a big not hit? a girl not yet a woman right was that before the movie or after the movie was the movie revealing the the origin much of like the, song? the ghostbusters theme it was released at the time of the film oh so it was it was it was a synergy it all came out at the same time if i remember correctly uh so music videos used to be these things that were like little <laughs> short films that aired on television and for certain if it was made for a movie uh, i mean the easiest one that comes to mind is um like I said, it's easy now. I can't remember the name of the fucking song. Aerosmith, uh, Armageddon. Go. Oh, I don't want to miss a thing? Yes, because the music videos that were based for movies would be themed around them. Do you remember the music video for it? Oh, yeah. Like in the NASA Space Center and then right. it's mixed with clips from the movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, if I remember correctly for this, uh, I'm Not a Girl, Not Yet a Woman, it was on the beach where they kind of end up in the movie and there were clips from Crossroads woven into it. Does she have a big beach ball? Or am I thinking of a different Britney? You're thinking of a different Britney one. No, oh, yeah. in this one, she's got the straight blonde hair with like a, a white shirt and white pants. It's Captain Pike in the video outside of the movie clips. <laughs> yeah, he, he has the rapping sequence in it. <laughs> yo, yo, yo. It's not a girl yet. Uh, it, well, okay, but it's a little different than the Aerosmith example. And for most examples, I think we've come up with because it's not like, like Armageddon features. I don't know, uh, Billy Bob Thornton writing, I don't want to miss a thing. Yeah, good call. <laughs> right? yeah. Like here, it's just, it's really weird. It's because not like it's... in fucking Titanic, Leo draws the lyrics to <laughs> that Celine Dion song. Celine Dion is that in the Celine Titanic. Dion song. My heart will go on, of course, in that song. It's fucking incredible. It's, at any rate, it might be an unprecedented or at least a very rarely used... Uh, trope. Trope, like a, a device to get, to get, uh, you know, uh, there's a different name for it now, but basically where you're trying to connect uh, different media into one single uh, act of storytelling. So here it's like, oh, well, there is this song, but in that's featuring this movie. And in this movie, we're going to tell you a version of how that song came to be. And that is that Britney had a book of poems and Captain Pike liked one of them. And eventually put music to it. Oh, once he hears the poem, his wheels start spinning, and we'll kind of circle back to that here momentarily. Yeah. Also, I love that uh, as part of his transformation from from stereotypical man to a sensible man of the 21st century, his first reaction when they're like, "Oh, well, can, do you have enough sleeping bags for all of us?" He goes, "You got you girls like camping." <laughs> and he turned to the camera and goes, "Chicks, man." <laughs> We make our way through Tucson, Arizona, where Lucy requests to be drop off, dropped off at the home of her mother. 
she finds this big fucking honking mansion and she goes and knocks on the door to be greeted by let me make sure i get the name right here caroline i was gonna say you know her name oh goddamn right i do it's <laughs> samantha jones uh kim cattrall which you guys can't see it but i'm doing the chef's kiss right now <laughs> as far as casting goes <laughs> there's not a movie in which i would not buy kim cattrall as britney spears mom right yeah they, and now if britney ever chooses to act again which i hope she does i don't want anyone else to play her mom but kim cattrall yeah it, it still works uh, it, it's it still works uh kim cattrall much like on Dan set Aykroyd. for approximately three hours yep <laughs> uh she, I mean, and those three hours include the makeup, makeup, catering. catering. You know, she she was at the. I had to walk and shake everybody's hand. <laughs> yeah. Sign a few autographs from yeah. uh, Sex and the City fans. <laughs> Is, was the show over by then? No, okay. the show was, ended in '04. Okay, so she was just at the peak of a uh, Sex and the City uh, popularity. But yeah, she's just like like Dan Aykroyd. She's a powerhouse, so she comes in and she commands the screen. It's. Her power combined with Britney's uh, uh, acting, it makes it so we don't even need to see most of their conversation. No. This is really about five minutes of setup, and then Catral goes, we need to have a talk. Well, and also just the – she says Lucy like five times and just the contempt she says her name <laughs> with and to the point where uh, Lucy's like, why are you saying my name like that? Because she's like, sit down, Lucy. <laughs> Uh, but yes, as we need to you have... are no Kim Cattrall, my friend. <laughs> I don't think you can convey <laughs> how awesome she is. But Lucy sees, you know, pictures of little boys, and now understands that she has brothers. And uh, yeah, Caroline tells her to sit down. I need to talk to you. We got some stuff to go over. Smash cut to yeah, smash cut <laughs> is right to a, a weeping Brittany caught in the rain, going back to the hotel where her friends have uh, hunkered down for the night. Doesn't really want to talk to anybody, just goes into the bathroom. Eventually, Ben cracks his way in with some clothes, says, hey, I think you wanted some dry clothes, and sits down with the kind of, you know, do you want to talk about it type of thing. All this leads to us finding out that Caroline did not want to have a baby, and that in her version of the story, Pete, Dan Aykroyd, kind of forced her to have it. So uh, from the Dewey Cox school of thought, you know, I think parenthood should be a choice that you can just walk away from. <laughs> and so she huge Dewey Cox fan <laughs> came control. That is like an incredible line in that movie is like, I'm currently in a custody battle. I think custody is something you should be able to walk away from. That's not forced <laughs> upon you. It's all to imply that having the kid and also Dan Aykroyd's aggressive nature drove her away. And yeah, not everybody can handle Dan Aykroyd. No, I it's, I mean, it's wrong that she I've walked away. I've seen Christmas but... with the Cranks. I can't handle living next door to Dan Aykroyd. I mean, we could barely handle watching a movie about living next door to Dan Aykroyd. But uh, it's this is, I think you'd agree, this is Britney's Oscar clip. This is where she just, you see her cry. Yeah. And not just cry, but ugly cry. Mm-hmm. She she moans as she finishes her, her story. It's It's pretty heartbreaking. It is. It's rough. Next morning, though, is is it like in the lobby of the hotel where that piano is set up? I don't know. Do you think that uh, Captain Pike had enough pull uh, around there? Because, you know, the closer they get to California, mm-hmm. the more uh, 
the more superpowers he seems to have. By the time they get they get to California, he's like, I'm gonna call some people and he's able get a to like band assemble together. a band on <laughs> right. command. So maybe they're close enough to California that he had enough pull to just have a piano yeah. set up. Anson there. Mount in behind the candelabra uh, <laughs> in the lobby of this hotel where he's got this fucking white piano and there's a tiger in the background and. You're a bigger fan of uh, Spring Breakers than I am, Alex. So you can't tell me that you did not think of James Franco playing a Britney Spears cover at a piano while well, this scene was going on. One, yes, because Spring Breakers <laughs> is an incredible film. And two, yeah, I mean this entire movie I was thinking of James <laughs> Franco. Just that line, he has an angel on this earth if there ever was one. But this is where he kind of comes up with the melody to not yet a girl, or not a girl, not yet a woman, excuse me. And she kind of starts to fit in where the lyrics would go and what the melody would sound like and that type of thing. And then it leads to a big kiss with the two of them. Uh, Anson hangs upside down and she peels his mask back a little bit. And as was the style in 2002. <laughs> it's a, thus opening the next question, next inquiry from, uh, from the audience. Are they going to fuck? <laughs> because she's a virgin. The yeah. movie has been... Has gone out of its way to tell us that she's a virgin and that and this that is a he's big deal. a hardened badass. So it's, right. he's probably had some, you know, divorcees come around <laughs> the way, and you know, the the back of that car is probably you know rife with uh, cooties. Yeah, it's then that the journey becomes uh, uh, clear, right? She has upgraded successfully from Justin Long <laughs> to Captain Pike. Pike's obviously going to know what he's doing when he finally gets to it. She could have fucking hooked up with Richard Pamer in a fucking taxi <laughs> and it would have been an upgrade from Justin Long. <laughs> Much like Justin Long, Pamer takes his shirt off. Chiseled. <laughs> Glasses fog up. Oh, Jesus. They make it to LA. Wingo. Zoe wants to see Dylan. Calls him. He does. He fucking says everything he can to put it off. You know, I got finals. Bunch of bullshit. So... Zoe takes it upon herself, her and Mimi. Where do they originally, what's their original voyage? They're going to go somewhere? The Hollywood sign. Oh, okay. They're going to go to the Hollywood sign and take pictures. Along the way, Zoe says, F this. We're going to go see Dylan. I want to see my fiance. Oh, yeah. So they decide that they want to go sightseeing. And Brittany's like, no, I'm tired. And Captain Pike is like, yeah, I'm tired too. So, <laughs> And the two other girls, they can read between the lines. Yeah. Like, we better get out of here. Yeah, if we don't leave right now, it's going to happen. Zoe in front Saldana of us. just puts the "Do Not Disturb" sign on the door handle. <laughs> Mimi puts a sock on the. <laughs> on the They're in LA because it's going to be Britney successfully conquering Mimi's dream for her and <laughs> trying out for this record label. That would be awkward, Alex, if the movie didn't very cleverly take care of the Mimi issue. Yes, so Zoe and Mimi leave. I keep calling her Zoe. It's Kit and Mimi leave. And Mimi is immediately alarmed to find out that they're going to go see Dylan. She's very not much on board with us from the start. Uh, smash cut to the <laughs> interior hotel room, sunset. Uh, it's We see the beach. Yeah. We pull back. The silhouettes of Ben and Lucy, they're kind of starting to undress. You know, it's a, it must be a frigid day on the beach because they, they're layered up pretty good. He does he does a gentlemanly thing. Of, uh, are you ready? Well, or are you well, sure? He gets down to the wife beater first, and then he looks at her and, are you sure? And then she goes, hell yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they they do what adults do. They do what young people in love do. Presumably 
for hours and hours because next time we see them <laughs> it, it's like midday and next time we see him it's like fucking you know three in the morning so meeting dylan turns out to be an absolutely cataclysmic disaster first of all it, it looks like he lives like in the 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 entrance to his apartment is in the emergency fire exit section of like an office building like, it looks like where you would go in, like, at the theater, like, my office, when the stairwell that, if you go through the door, an alarm will go off. That's right. the type of thing and where it seems. He's like the super at one of the motels uh, in the Florida project. <laughs> Secondly, maybe 35. I think he kind of <laughs> led astray Zoe Saldana as being, you know, a fifth-year senior. He opens the door and immediately is like, oh, shit. He does the tried-and-true number of... First of all, he looks back in the room, then comes out and shuts the door behind him. Just leave it cracked a bit. Uh, Mimi is not wanting to be there at all. He kind of gives her this like nod, like, hey, Mimi, remember me from school? Uh, says, you know, you can't come in because my friend's really upset, blah, blah, blah. We find out there's another girl in there. But see, the thing is, I understand why uh, Zoe Saldana didn't know this, because she was sometimes when you're in it you can't tell but we all did we all knew this there's no way i mean you must have had the same experiences i did which is i was just waiting for her to catch up yeah we knew that this guy was his leaseball from the oh, very beginning yeah. and we knew that he had a girl in there and we knew that she was going to find out and they were going to wake up but we didn't know <laughs> what was going to happen next from a writing and directorial and also an acting standpoint it was all really well pulled off because it was believable naivety that comes along with youth Right. And, you know, the ignorance is bliss type thing. Uh, yeah. What was not expected was uh, what came next. I thought it was Jamie Presley that was his girl in his room, but it wasn't. That no. was just the quality of the stream that we had to watch <laughs> on this. Yeah. What follows next is a pretty horrifying reveal of uh, Zoe Saldana along with us. The audience starts piecing everything together as Mimi's wanting to leave. She looks back at uh, Dylan. Dylan fuckface. Puts it all together, and it becomes evident quickly that he is the man that assaulted her. He is the father of her unborn child. And Zoe Saldana ends up decking him in the face. They take off. Uh, Mimi takes off first, I should say, because she just wants to get away from it. Understandably so. Very traumatic for her. Ends up trips and falling down the stairwell at the apartment complex. Now, this is a brutal couple of minutes where, once again, you thought that maybe the, the bitter pill had been swallowed already earlier mm -hmm. in the movie and things were not going to get much worse than hearing that one of the characters had been raped and that that's why she was pregnant. Uh, but no, here, like, we see her fall down the stairs and thankfully, the, uh, Tamara Davis, she provides us with, like, a slow-mo shot of the keychain with the planet, like, mm -hmm. falling also in slow motion, slowly, kind of, like, to give us a little bit of time to process before we cut to Britney Spears in bed with, uh, with Captain Pike. Britney gets the call. They go to the hospital. Unfortunately, Mimi, uh, the child she was carrying, uh, perished in the accident. Mimi gets um, a moment to explain to Lucy that she was going to keep the baby. Uh, she had figured that out while she was on the beach there. So it's uh, not an easy scene to process or digest or, you know, we've had a lot of fun on this and this is definitely not one of them, but it's a bummer. It's kind of like, and uh, if we were the characters in little miss sunshine and it's like after the grandpa dies, mm -hmm. it's like, should we just call it quits and turn around and go back? 
Yeah, but this is uh, Taryn Manning. This is her supporting actress scene. Yeah, yeah. And we get also uh, Zoe Saldana coming in in a, a, a tearful, like uh, just moment of friends, of apology and reflection. Uh, Where they both go, it's not your fault. <laughs> and Dan Aykroyd's back on the case. When all else fails, when you don't know what the fuck to do, you call Dan Aykroyd. He shows up. He reprimands Lucy for leaving first. He's obviously just happy that she's okay. So he pulls everything together, arranges for everyone to get back home. Uh, they get in the cab. She says bye to Ben. All things considered, Dan Aykroyd keeps his shit together because he would have. He doesn't know what's been going on, so he obviously has been a wreck while she's being having fun. Yeah, and yet he manages to be understanding, mm-hmm. and he doesn't fly off the handle when he meets the the guy that she's been sleeping with, and especially because they just exchange this knowing nod, right? And Aykroyd's just like. In another life, maybe. <laughs> he goes like, it was going to happen sooner or later, so I'm glad it was you and not Justin Long. <laughs> they get in the cab to leave. Brittany has her poignant moment of, you know, I met mom and you're right about her, but you gotta, you can't push me away like you did with her. You have to let me go. So she hops out of the taxi, runs, and jumps into the waiting arms of Captain Pike. They even do a little twirl there on uh, Sunset Boulevard. While the twirl happens, you start hearing the the radio version <laughs> the opening riff to not a girl not yet a woman as we are at the slade slope slide records whatever it's called american idol yeah, yeah. there's and a bunch of apparent judges yeah it's not like a, can- a panel of three there's like fucking nine judges there they're all taking notes Brittany looks hot <laughs> Regardless, Britney nails the audition for this record label with her new song, uh, with also Mimi and Kit on backup vocals. The band that Ben was able to assemble uh, learned the tune in a quick fashion and nailed it. They're pros. They are. And Britney's wardrobe is absolutely on point here. Looks like a goddamn peacock ready to attack. It's fantastic. <laughs> but it's, this is just full Britney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The movie has taken the character of uh, Lucy and also just slowly transformed her into Britney to where when you get at the to the end of this performance Ocean's 12 or Julia Roberts played herself for that one yeah. part there's there's no no difference between the two anymore <laughs> they have mended into one yeah they have become a woman <laughs> the girls bury their wish box on the beach this time deciding not to make any wishes for the future but to focus on the present and their friendship so ends the Wikipedia summation <laughs> <laughs> they don't mention that we get a, a, a full, total, oh end credits long blooper reel. Well, it's like a blooper reel mixed in with a Britney single because there was like fucking four singles from this movie. But yeah, honestly, when I was watching that, I was thinking to myself, back to working at the theater and hating movies that did that because you'd have to wait till the credits were over to go in and clean the theater. Yep. Yeah. She was uh, she was doing the Marvel movies before the Marvel Man. movies did it. Well, do you remember? complete sidebar that uh, <laughs> do you remember what like the first ones were to do that before marvel that always drove people at my theater crazy were the pirates of the caribbean ones oh wow i've forgotten about that because one of them had like a clip at the end of it and so people just assumed that all of them did so yeah and then marvel if you've listened to many or if not all of these podcasts you know i have a grudge with that entire franchise <laughs> grudge slash intense bitterness and that's just one of the reasons why 
So, 20-year-old Britney Spears. She didn't quite conquer the world. You, <laughs> but she... What? In this movie. Oh, I mean, okay. <laughs> I, mean, I forgot. We're fading here on the contrarian's corner. Yeah. I'm just saying, when compared to the life of, of real-world Britney Spears, uh, the accomplishments of, of Lucy seem quite modest. And that's all right. I mean, it's just that kind of movie. That's fair. It's not Britney Spears saves the universe or anything. It's just Britney Spears finds a boyfriend... Gets a record deal, potentially. Yeah, could have used a shot of her going back to Live Oak and having, like, a parade to welcome her. And then Mimi just being, like, <laughs> back at the trailer park, just being like, this was my dream. <laughs> All right, so that is Contrarian's Corner for Crossroads. Let's move along to Real, real talk. talk. Let's go to Real Talk. And we are recording Real Talk for Crossroads. All right. Contrarian Summer Road Trip rages on with Crossroads, which was released on February 15th, 2002. That perfect Valentine's Day weekend movie. Uh, budget of about $12 million. I think about eleven five of that went to Britney. Uh, box office return of around $60 million. How much of it was the CGI on Justin Long's body? <laughs> they just had him wear like one of those prosthetic chests. So you can't move. It'll look really weird, so just stay really still. Control the direction, Justin. Ah, uh, man. God bless him. You got to kiss Britney Spears, one of the hottest women that's ever lived. Uh, man. There's a lot to unpack about this movie, so let's go ahead and... <laughs> what what critics enjoyed this? Um, Starting with Roger Ebert. <laughs> Sadly, I couldn't find a, a review from Ebert. Oh, I beat you. Um... Uh, no, uh, David Hunter from Hollywood Reporter said, Tamara Davis directs a low-budget production with economy and a lack of surface flashiness that is pleasantly unpretentious. I mean, I don't think you could accuse this movie of being pretentious. No. And and it's not, considering that you have Britney Spears in her underwear and a towel performing, not as flashy as it could have been. No. It's certainly less flashy than a Britney Spears video. Yeah. Um. Luke Y. Thompson from uh, New Times says, uh, Highbrow self-appointed guardians of culture need not apply, but those who loved cool as eyes have at least found a worthy follow-up. Comparing it to the seminal <laughs> classic cool as eyes, uh, the vanilla eyes vehicle. Uh, I don't know that that's high praise. No. Uh, but it's a fresh review. And finally, Sarah Michelle Fetters from moviefreak.com says, I can see the hate mail now. If this film starred anyone else, I would be safe. Throw a polarizing superstar like Britney Spears into the mix, however, and all bets are off. Well, it's not always about you, Sarah Michelle Fetters. 
<laughs> I wanted a quote about the movie. So, yeah. Crossroads. That was my Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Um, <laughs> um, not what I expected. Yeah, there's a lot of weird, dark turns to it. Maybe that that is a warning to be uh, taken into consideration when you watch a movie where Dan Aykroyd plays the dad. Because <laughs> Looser also had a few curveballs. Yeah. Nowhere near as dark as in this movie, but still. Those turn of the millennium movies, man. They were still trying to tackle real issues before everything got so cookie cutter. We're having fun. We're doing karaoke. Everybody's stripping down to their underwear. Rape. <laughs> we're having more fun. <laughs> Singing along to the radio. My mom never wanted me. <laughs> and just before you get any further, oh, well, we're having sex. Yeah. And then let's confront the rapist. Jesus Christ. This movie, uh, I just watched this because the Draft House had a weird Wednesday with it. So it's fresh in my mind. Uh, we went and saw a movie called No Holds Barred, or as they call on the Laps fan, No Hold Bars, um, which was a 1989 film that was like a Hulk Hogan vehicle. That this movie is exactly like that in terms of weird, dark turns, but then also like Britney Spears is just playing herself, but she has a fictional character name. Just like in that movie, Hulk Hogan is Rip Thomas, despite the fact that he's just Hulk Hogan. And it's this huge PR for your consideration video submitted just to like back them up, this piece of marketing. It's a movie that basically, I'm assuming, just like this movie did. Uh, tries to just it's reinfor- built around the persona that yeah, created. Yeah, Hulk Hogan and yeah. trying to just reinforce the, all the positives about it. Like, does charity work? You know, and like Britney with this. Like, even the thing about making sure to call out that she was a virgin, which I remember was a really big deal when I was, you know, junior high or whatever. Like, because they always, for a short period, it was always one of the things that was like wanted to be known about her. She was a good Christian girl. And poor Britney, man. She has more money than I could ever dream of, but man, she never had a normal life. And I, she's one of those people I feel bad for a lot of the times, just in terms of like, can't wait for the upcoming voicemail from Britney Spears. Fuck you, Alex Mattis. I don't need your pity. <laughs> I don't pity her. I just mean like, it's clear those like breakdowns and mental issues that she had. And yeah, she, showbiz. All kidding aside, showbiz fucks you up. I mean, yeah, and she just I think at one point wanted a normal life, but. Uh, if we just are t- jumping on Britney right away before we actually get into the movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Britney Spears was an incredibly influential and important figure in my lifetime, especially being, you know, 14 when she was really peaking. Like, the Slave music video, I think, is up there with, like, you know, the defining moments of my life. Like, when I graduated. So on with the snake. No, that's she performed it with the snake at the Video Music Awards. Okay, the music video is the one that's like in that like sauna with like forty people, <laughs> and she's just sweating profusely the whole time, <laughs> along with everybody watching the video. Oh God, yes, I remember. She's... I was maybe twelve uh, when Baby One More Time came out. Uh huh. It's one of those things. It was like. Uh, I imagine my reaction was like those girls in the audience when the Beatles were on Ed Sullivan. Like me, <laughs> me just screaming at my TV, not understanding what was going on. See, I was a little older, which made it trickier because in the video, she's she's dressed like a schoolgirl. That's fair. And, you know, I was in Peru. The internet was not a thing. So when I was that young, was she now. looked like, you know, what at that point, I was like, oh, that's what high school is going to be like. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. To me, it was like, oh, I've left that behind. I really shouldn't be having these thoughts. 
No matter what, we can agree on the toxic music video. Yes. <laughs> that, uh, God, I was in college and that came out and it was one of those things that I think like YouTube might have been just kind of coming around at the time. I, I just remember like watching it and then like looking around, like watching it for the first time and then like kind of looking around and just hit the button to replay. <laughs> uh, in this movie now, though, since we're talking about Crossroads Wait, here, before we, we leave real Britney behind though, I mean, it's not like I follow her career closely uh but she's a or at least she was a judge in one of those reality shows right and like the voice yeah, I mean, or over I, the I, past I, 10 years she's definitely settled I, I, back into it yeah i kind of got the feeling that she had some rough times and then she was able to pull it back together yeah and she's got like her show in vegas now and um i mean even around this time i can't remember if it was for this movie i know she hosted snl around this point in time and i remember she was really good about poking fun at herself uh but yeah, I think it was because she was 20 or so when she made this. I think it was kind of her mid-20s is where she just kind of, which, man, if you go from like age 13 to 25 with no no grounding of real reality, yeah, you're going to eventually, something's going to fucking short circuit. So to your point, though, yeah, in the past years, she's definitely kind of, I don't want to say, you know, stayed the course, but definitely seems to she had her issues, but she handles it better now and kind of has like a routine down that she likes. Yeah. The other thing that I always try to remember is that if I had a camera on me 24 seven, like celebrities do and every little fuck up, I, you know, was news, my life would sound a lot worse than it really is. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, you know, it could be that in the, the big picture for Britney Spears, like the things that we remember as like her major meltdowns or whatever, are really not that big of a deal. Yeah, it's like yeah, there was this one time that I shaved my head. Oh well, you know, if I wasn't Britney Spears, it wouldn't be news. Yeah, well, that was the one too. Like she attacked the press, like with that umbrella, like went fucking crazy. I don't know about that. Oh yeah, that but was... they deserve it because you know fake news. Oh well, <laughs> well, and also I mean Britney is as good of an example in modern pop culture. They're just fucking paparazzi, just vultures, man. They're fucking scum of the earth. Yep. Like it's disgusting. It bothers me to no end, man. Now I'm just going down Britney memory lane. Do you remember the famous Rolling Stone, the, her first Rolling Stone cover, where uh... we don't get Rolling Stone in Peru? <laughs> La piedra que da vueltas. <laughs> I've vented this before. If I ever told you, I, I know to some people I have. Like one of my most irrational pet peeves in life is when someone calls it Rolling Stones magazine. <laughs> that, oh man, I see red every single time. <laughs> anyway, no, that was 99, I want to say. It was her first ever, like, risque picture. It was her, like, in a bra and, like, shorty shorts, and she was laying in a bed, and she was, like, on a, she's, like, looking at the camera. I think she's got, like, a red phone, like a lipstick phone or a lips phone, and then she's holding the purple Teletubby. <laughs> What a wasted opportunity that it was not a burger phone. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, I could. we could be here all day with me going back and explaining to Julio the different the, photo shoots that Britney Spears did. The bottom line is we probably know mo most of her songs from that era. Yeah. And to the point of this movie, it still seemed like she was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed in terms of just like, yeah, let's try stuff. And so... This movie, I mean, I don't blame her for not being a seasoned actress because it's not really like what her calling was. Yeah, but it's 
I don't know. I let's make it clear. It's not good. It, well, it's not good, and her performance is not good in it. I mean, it's not terrible. I, I think that the movie, for the most part, kind of like knows what to ask of her. So they very wisely give her a lot of times to perform, mm-hmm. which she excels at. Anytime that she gets to sing and dance, she's great. And then, surprisingly, I was not kidding, Katrina's Corner, I think that her one, her Oscar clip, when she finally breaks down and cries, it's actually pretty decent. Uh, it I, doesn't go on for too long, but I think that it was the one time where I bought emotion out of her. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the movie, whenever she's... I think that she any of her interactions with the other two girls yes, are like she cringe. suffers in comparison because Zoe Zeldana, she's a much better actress, uh-huh. and while sometimes that means that a better performer will bring everybody else up, in this case, it's more like she makes them look worse. Yeah, uh, maybe she's she's all right, I, but but with Brittany, you can tell that she doesn't have the experience. No, and, she like there's parts where she literally looks like. Deer in headlights of like looking off screen, like line. Uh, there are some parts though in that too. To be fair, like some of her delivery is good, and it's like uh, not all of it, but there's parts in there where you can see, yeah, like um, if you had Cameron Crowe at the helm of this, and you know, he could figure out the right somebody that's to... better at shaping a performance, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I did like a quick look through Tamara Davis's filmography, and it looks like. It's mostly like music videos she directed and then Billy a Madison. lot of TV. Really? Billy Madison, Half-Baked, and there was one other one that kind of surprised me. But yeah, I she did, did a lot of music videos. I didn't go that far back. Yeah. I, was just, I saw a lot of TV and then uh, in later years and then around that time, I think, a lot of music videos. But that's funny. If she just treated Britney like she was Sandler, she was like, all right, do your thing. <laughs> 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 Man, I have not watched Billy Madison in a long time, mainly because it's – like I was telling you about whatever we were talking about earlier. I have such like a strong attachment to it from enjoying it from youth. And I'm afraid if I watch it now, I'll be like, what the fuck, man? Devil's Rejects? Was that? One? Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> Perfect so, very comparison. similar movies, Billy Madison and Devil's Rejects. Now that I watched Happy Gilmore in the past few years and still found it to be fucking hilarious. So, 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 okay. So why, how does it, does this happen as far as having you go, Britney Spears wants to be in a movie or, Hey, let's put Britney Spears in the movie because she's a big superstar right now. And then you find yourself making this movie, which is not – it has enough singing and dancing, but somehow it's also trying to be really – I wouldn't even say serious, but tackling some serious subject matter. Where does that come from? Got to flex those muscles, baby. That's what they, like, prey on. Um, a lot of the shit I read, reviews and, like um, – initial critical reaction was praising it in comparison to glitter the mariah carey movie which i've never seen but one of the quotes i read was something along to the effect of like much more well presented and easier to digest than the desperate glitter by mariah carey um yeah i mean, it doesn't I mean feel it, desperate <laughs> it just feels misguided <laughs> What, this? Yeah, this. Oh, I, I've never seen Glitter. Yeah, so I, I haven't either. Yeah, but... no, this doesn't seem desperate. Uh, it, you know, it's not uncommon, those movies where they pluck someone, at, I don't want to say obscurity, but out of a genre that's not film and try to, like, put them into something. I mean, going back to No Holds Barred, there's a lot of shit in that, too. That's, like, in one part of that movie, Hulk Hogan saves the female interest from getting raped in a parking lot. So I think maybe up until 2002, they just thought that was an easy button to insert into <laughs> movies. Yeah. 
just to get validation. It's like, no, this is a real movie. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, duets. That's the type of movie I'd expect to see Britney Spears in. The I haven't seen duets in karaoke exactly championships. Mean, yeah. yeah, but see, I mean, Lachlan that, Monroe. I don't want to say that I'm advocating for pop stars to only be uh, able to star in just no, know, but fluffy. It's, it's a fascinating uh, choice they made for her first movie, right? And it's. It, I mean, I don't remember much of the marketing, but I remember when you sell this as the Britney Spears movie, well, you're thinking just good times. Mm -hmm. And and also, you know what? And this I will put on Shonda Rhimes, assuming that this is the, the, the movie shot the script as it was. But it is ridiculous. That that final Shyamalan twist where uh, Zoe Saldana's boyfriend happens to be the guy that raped. Yeah. That's just, come on. It maybe if you took that part out, I would at least it would at least feel like uh, something somewhat like life. Yeah. But in this case, it just feels like a really lame thriller, like it, a soap opera type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that makes it look worse. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you're going with the with the idea of just how do we get Britney from being a valedictorian in a small town to being uh a promising new star in California. Well, this is not necessarily the journey that I would pick. Yeah, it was nominated for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight Academy Award. I mean, uh, <laughs> Golden Raspberry Awards. Uh, it was also nominated for Best Breakthrough Performance by Britney Spears for the MTV Movie Awards in 2002. Really? An MTV film? Nominated. <laughs> was nominated. Yeah. Conflict of interest. So... Some interesting bits of trivia, as you know, I do. Anson Mount was initially reluctant to accept the role of Ben, finding the script to be cheesy and lame. What changed his mind? But was encouraged by Robert De Niro, <laughs> with whom he was working at the time on City by the Sea. De Niro turned out to be a huge Britney Spears fan. They went over scenes from Crossroads on breaks from City by the Sea with Mount reading his lines and De Niro reading Spears. That cannot be true because it's just so amazing. I like this movie now a little more just because I know that it somehow led to Robert De Niro saying Britney Spears' lines. I wish I could remember any of them. She didn't want me. My dad forced her to have me. Uh, this does not surprise me at all, but I find this interesting. One of the most highest grossing movies in Japan due to Britney Spears' popularity in Japan. There's, yeah, the, a pocket of those. I mean, Britney Spears was a fucking global superstar, but uh, Oasis is always one. that and they Even when they would just come over here and do like arena shows, like if they went to Japan, they would sell out their stadiums there and just... I mean, obviously, their culture has infatuations with big characters and overblown shit. Okay, oh, yeah. I, I told Julio this one where we were actually uh, watching it just because I thought it was incredible. Dan Aykroyd created a detailed backstory for his character and his life in the Navy. He even had a friend draw a Navy tattoo on his arm, which can be seen in the scene where he is working in the car in the uh, on the car in the garage. Uh, I that just, friend was Robert De Niro. <laughs> I just love fucking. Uh, 
Aykroyd walking up to Tamara Davis and just like going on this fucking forty five minute pitch about his character and its his motivations and shit. Uh huh. Tamara Davis goes like, "I see you haven't gotten the latest version of the script. We've <laughs> you... reduced the role of Pete significantly. Your character doesn't go on the road trip anymore; it stays behind." I didn't read this, but it makes perfect sense. No Coca Cola products are ever used. Instead, Pepsi products are featured prominently. Uh, Mimi drinks a Pepsi can in the hotel room after their karaoke win. Britney Spears, of course, was endorsing Pepsi at that time. Do you remember the commercial she had with Bob Dole? I remember her in Pepsi commercials. I just don't remember Bob Dole. Louis <laughs> Black has an incredible bit on that commercial because uh, it's really weird. It like it's Bob Dole watching her dance, and then his Bob uh, Bob's dog barks, and he says "down boy," but in the manner to like imply that he's got a raging heart on watching Britney Spears. <laughs> Quality stuff from their former president-elect or uh, presidential nominee. Melissa Joan Hart was considered for the role of Mimi. Mm. I, I wouldn't have liked watching that right now because I relate to Melissa Joan Hart a lot from, like, Clarissa explains it all uh, in Sabrina the Teenage Oh, Witch. and she has the tragic story. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't have been a big fan of that. <laughs> I don't know why this is in the trivia section of IMDb, but the poem Lucy reads to Ben at the campsite are, in fact, the lyrics to Britney Spears' song, Not a Girl, Not Yet a Woman. Somebody mind-blown as they're reading that. And the film was originally entitled What Friends Are For, which, okay. Be a shoulder to cry on. Yeah, I guess so. Dreams to steal. Um, Dan Aykroyd comes him and Kim Cattrall both just come off as like just solid polished actors. Yeah, they're the adults. Yeah, exactly. Just play with the kids. <laughs> Live and learn. <laughs> Aykroyd showed up in makeup and looked at Britney and said, "Welcome to the fucking show." <laughs> uh you see this tattoo? <laughs> just for this movie. <laughs> as a movie itself, not good. As a road trip movie, eh. Like you I hit, mean, the mu- it, it it hits the music at least. It has a the, the it, music it supplies user. a good soundtrack. It has the stops, you know, the gas station stops, the the Waffle House, the the cheap hotel. Then when they find themselves into money, they get the nice hotel. I mean, I guess the Waffle House is the closest we get to some sort of significant tourist attraction. <laughs> yeah, and then the not Grand Canyon, right? Where, Just like some field somewhere in Texas. Um, yeah, but with Brittany, you know, her portrayal in this is just comical of how diverse and smart. Like, there, all that was missing was a scene of her speaking of a, a different language fluently. Like, you know, when the car broke down, like, a uh, uh, Hispanic tow truck driver pulls up, doesn't speak <laughs> English, and then she, like, speaks to him fluently. That That would have worked really well. And then if the movie had gone a different way, she could have delivered the baby as well. <laughs> They're, like, on the road. Just watch the road. I got it. I see the head. <laughs> um, I mean, you, we've kind of established that we're Britney fans, but we're not Britney fans with a capital F. No. So if you're a Britney fan, like a hardcore fan, maybe you enjoyed this movie more than we did. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's just it's your girl up there and you're just like happy to see her in some sort of story for 90 minutes. Yeah. And, I mean, they're, we were joking about it in the first half. There's no way around it they were definitely preying on her looks also with this movie yeah which was which again i'm not being facetious at all when saying that she's like one of the most beautiful humans i've ever seen but 
it doesn't come off as we've watched movies where you see like forced nudity or forced shots of yeah it doesn't come across as gross i think partly because it's not like you're seeing something that you haven't seen before i mean she is at least from what i remember most of her acts are just it's revealing outfits anyway mm -hmm. so this is just it's the britney experience i think it would feel weird if the movie was a little prudish about her looks can you imagine if it was just britney spears playing somebody that's always like an eternal like an <laughs> ankle length skirt yeah it, it, it would be now now that would feel like she was going for an oscar or something <laughs> <laughs> she's just one of the housewives in the village um positives about the movie mainly zoe saldana <laughs> and even then it's just kind of like like i said dan Aykroyd and crim control but as far as a constant throughout the movie zoe saldana is there to just kind of show everybody how it's done so so captain pike is he he kind of once i found out that he was christopher pike and i guess i like him in star trek discovery i think he's pretty good in it um i think that that subconsciously made me cut him more slack than I normally would have, mm -hmm. because he's a little stiff. He's not great, but he also doesn't have a great role here. the The closest he gets to acting is when he has that uh, his meltdown in he chicks, has his, man. Yeah, his his I'm a boy <laughs> speech. <laughs> I need my pain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's it's one of those where, like we say, if you had a better actor. Or better actress in the case of Britney, maybe they would have been able to pull off this a little better. It's still a really weird fucking script. Yeah. Uh, and the places it goes are just kind of, eh. It, it, it's not the movie that, that I think that this movie even sells itself uh, during the first hour or so. Uh, but but maybe with, with better actors, you could try a little harder here. It's just there, nothing's happening. Until Britney gets on stage, or until Britney sings, and then you're a little interested again. It's just basically, yeah, they mapped out the four parts of Britney performing, and they're like, all right, let's just figure out how we're going to get there. <laughs> how do we get? She's going to sing in Alabama, Texas, <laughs> Louisiana, California, the very end. You fucking nerds figure out the rest. <laughs> That's what MTV told Paramount. <laughs> Shonda Rhimes, she picked a map, she dropped the needle there, and she's like, all right, I'm done. Good luck, Tamara. <laughs> yeah, uh... Certainly not. I wouldn't even say this is in the lower tier of movies we've done. We've watched so much shit on this this podcast. How man. long is it? Is it ninety minutes? Yeah, it's a magical yeah. man. Yeah, there you go. It, it's not long enough to be offensive. It starts to feel like it's dragging towards the end, but then it wraps it but up. When when shit gets really miserable, yeah, that's you know I called it out in Contrarian's Corner, but that shot, the slow mo shot of the keychain with the world with the planet falling down the stairs that was just my my enthusiasm for the movie was going down the stairs <laughs> along that keychain uh not the worst dan Aykroyd movie we've done on the podcast <laughs> not even close <laughs> this, this is uh, the third dan Aykroyd movie then we got christmas with the cranks loser and now this one we need to do a good <laughs> dan Aykroyd movie at some point i mean what are there uh, I was just saying that just to intentionally anyone like Ghostbusters diehard out there. No, Ghostbusters phone down. too easy. Oh, yeah, yeah, talk yeah. about evolution. He was in evolution. Yeah, he has a bit. It's like With like Orlando here. Jones, uh, David Duchovny, David Duchovny. Yeah, he's like an army general or something. He shows up for five minutes. Oh, right on. <laughs> the the five minutes of Ackroyd. That's what you get in 
later movies. That's what that should just be a new like uh, uh, a new segment on the podcast. Now you're five minutes of Ackroyd. <laughs> What's that game um, where uh, you go with a girl to closets like ten minutes in heaven or something? Oh yeah, seven five, minutes in heaven. Seven minutes in heaven. Five minutes with Ackroyd. <laughs> <laughs> he shows up. And he he punches up your movie a little bit. So that uh, he reprimands Britney Spears for how irresponsible and unadult like she's being, how unintelligent. All right, so that was Crossroads. We have crossed them, and we continue on on the Contrarian Summer Road Trip. Now, our episode we're recording tomorrow, is that going to fall chronologically? No, no, no. Okay. That's going to be somewhere down the line, so we, we will not spoil it for you yet. Tomorrow, well. we're, we're just doing a, a future bonus episode, but I do see a hitchhiker in the distance, some, I see, so we might have some company on the, on the next movie. It sounds like a plan. He can pitch in for gas. <laughs> uh, so the next stop, the next official stop on the Contrarian Summer Road Trip will be Almost Famous, which we will tackle. Uh, legitimately shoot one of my all-time favorite movies, so I'm very excited. Quite possible for one of the very rare times that Real Talk is longer than Contrarian's Corner, just for <laughs> us trying to... I'm going to bring a dry erase board so we can you know, map out <laughs> how Kate Hudson got an Oscar nomination. <laughs> Uh, I've only seen it once. What? Yeah, I know. Uh, and it's, uh, I mean, it's not my favorite Cameron Crowe. Jerry Maguire? Yeah. Okay. But, and, and, I Aloha? Mean, Aloha. Oh, fuck. Uh, we bought a zoo, Alex. <laughs> no, uh, I'm I'm eager to revisit it because obviously I remember all the big points and I've seen almost famous clips mm-hmm. throughout my life since I watched it. So the, the big stuff is always in my memory, but the little things... Um, I, I don't remember very well. It is a perfect movie, so I am very excited to revisit it with you. I do remember what I didn't like about it, so we'll we'll get into that if it's if it if repeats. It holds up. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll be over it by then. Are you mad that William and Penny didn't end up together? Yes, he's like fifteen. <laughs> so <laughs> she could yeah, wait. Yeah, she was like sixteen. So yeah, never mind. Uh, okay, so that will be. Uh, our next stop, and then, of course, the dramatic conclusion to the Contrarian Summer Road Trip, where we link back up. Uh, we're heading all the way across the country to see our old friend John Travolta in his 2007 buddy film, road trip film. Wild it's a, it's a, not a buddy film. It's a, an ensemble film. Ensemble <laughs> cast. You're right. Well, it's buddies. Buddies. Buddies film. The original grown-ups. Wild <laughs> hogs. In the meantime, that wraps up Crossroads. For our plugs, as always, the Festive Years, who provide our opening and closing tracks. Our opening is Last Stand, Closing Summer 99, thefestiveyears.com, for all your Festive Years needs. For our logo, our friend Hans Rothgieser. He has a podcast. He does comics. He does logos. He has another podcast in English. He can. does more comics. Does, <laughs> does more, more logos. comics and logos in English as well. You can contact him at Mil Demonios on Twitter. That's M I L D E M O N I O S. Um, and you can also email him at mildemonios at hotmail.com. All his stuff, his stuff that he's written is at mildemonios.pe. PE is for Peru because he's Peruvian. Uh, his show uh, in Spanish is Nacion Combi. That's where he just talks about Peruvian stuff. Uh, he also has a limited series podcast about immigrants in peru that's in english it's called living in peru you can find that one in ivox just contact him ask him questions ask him why he does so many things also speaking of britney spears 
It was one time back when uh, Hit Me Baby One More Time was like all the rage on the radio. I remember, I think Hans was, I was in his car, like we're driving somewhere and the song came on the radio and we got to talk about Britney Spears. Like, what is this thing? It's happening. It's a phenomenon. We, we were like, we both had the feeling that we were witnessing history being made. And uh, I wasn't sure, but I remember Hans being like 100% positive. He's only like a couple of years older than me, I think. But he was just speaking with the wisdom of, of the elderly. He was just like, no, this is... This is gonna go. She's not gonna fade away. You're gonna hear from Britney Spears for years to come, for decades. And I wasn't sure, but he knew, and, and he was right. <laughs> so, so shout out to Hans Rodriguez for for seeing Britney Spears for what she was. He'd lived through too many of the one hit wonders. He, he knew <laughs> when you know, you know. When you know, you know. This girl has it. She's the real deal. Hell yeah! For actual plugs, man, I've been so busy. I don't have much outside of. Uh, 30 Rock's been my show that I've been watching when I fall asleep. 30 Rock's great. And I've been listening to a lot of Social Distortion at work. So Social Distortion's great to help your work day go by. The only Social Distortion uh, song I know is Story of My Life. It was from a, its Guitar Hero? Guitar Hero yep. 3. It was the first song that I could play without that I could make it all the way to the end. I nice. felt so proud. Oh, yeah. Social Distortion fucks really hard. Um, but yeah, I've been super busy. I haven't really had time to watch any new movies, which I, I have a stack that uh, people have lent me of different ones that I need to get through. So hopefully making some progress on that soon. Without spoiling, how do you feel? Because I haven't made it past season three. How do you feel about the ending of 30 Rock? You, you haven't know? made it past season three? It just, it. I just haven't gotten to it. <laughs> Listen, uh, I also haven't made it past season three on Entourage. Okay, well, one of those <laughs> is different than the other. Um, you know, it it kind of splintered. There was a a decision they made, I believe, in either season four or five uh, of Jack's character that I really didn't like, and so like from there the show kind of frayed off. Now, mind you, there's n- there is not a bad episode of Thirty Rock. Uh huh. But as far as like my emotional investment, uh, they really had me with this one hook, and then they didn't go with it, um, which was probably all in the writing to have me hooked like that. But it's still kind of I was like, oh, so I was kind of out for a while. Was this was this that uh, Jack and and Liz would be together at the end? No, because I remember it, I'm asking because I remember. Oh yeah, that's always been my thesis. Right, I remember having a very intense conversation with you where you were just like very passionate about Thirty Rock. I, I think I just started watching it. And, yeah, and you were telling me, oh no, that show. The, the reason that show exists is so that Jack and Liz can get together. At yeah, the end. I mean, I always maintained that, <laughs> and then it ended, and I was like. Well, there's no definitive proof that they didn't end up together. So, <laughs> but yeah, I always thought that, and I thought it was, I thought that was the destiny of the show. No, there, uh, Jack. Uh, I don't want to spoil it, just in case you ever do go through it. But like, oh, I do plan. To, I, I love the show. I yeah. just, you know, it's one of those things where you fall behind, and then you're like, all right, at some point, Jack. Jack's character comes into a fork in the road where there's two women, and he's gonna, he has to choose one of them to be the woman for him, and the woman he chose, I would have rather he chose the other one. Ah, and so like. Just from a storytelling perspective, and I thought, you know, for that character, it was one of those shows I was so dedicated to. Um, uh, my Thursday night routine was I'd work changeover at the theater. I would go home because I never had class or work on Fridays. So I'd go home, get home at like 2 in the morning. I'd have uh, three 24-ounce Natty Lights. That You'd buy those. It was like $3 for three of them. Uh, I would have those ready to go. And on my DVR, I would have Community, Parks and Rec, The Office, and 30 Rock. 
And so, because that, that was, is a dynamite. That was the Thursday night lineup for a while. And yeah. so I got so emotionally invested into all those shows just because it was like this routine I had and I was so happy. And so I, I don't know if I ever told the story on that, but that was like, <laughs> like three in the morning one time in my apartment, just bawling my eyes out watching the wedding episode of The Office <laughs> for the first time. <laughs> I had just gotten off work, probably screened some shitty movie. But, um, 30 Rock's consistent. Out of those four, like, did I ever, have I ever done that thing with you, the, how you'd rank those shows and all the qualifiers you have to go through first? Uh, I think that we have, and, and I am probably a little more qualified to do it now because I think when last time you asked me, I hadn't watched, well, I still haven't finished 30 Rock. I've watched most of The Office. That's a, so, listeners out there, if you do care to engage, the discussion I've had with multiple people is, that old Thursday night lineup, community, parks and rec, the office, and thirty rock, how would you rank those? But then you have to like actually think about it. Like so my closing statement is when the office was at its peak, none of those shows were better, but the office really fucking sucked at the end, so it brings <laughs> it down. See that part I completely understand, because even though I didn't finish the last season of The Office, I, I stuck around long enough that I was like, wow, they just really derailed. And uh, community, I didn't even get to the end because I threw in the towel eventually just because it was... But that being said, also, the first two seasons of Community are fucking money. I will I will even go to bat for the third one. And then, so for me, it comes down to 30 Rock or Parks and Rec. And it, that's really tough, but I think emotionally and from a comedy standpoint, like Parks and Rec, its entire run was so consistent that... It would probably be there in the 30... It would be like a 1A and B type situation, but... Um, I think the edge that 30 Rock has is that it has a better first season than Parks and Rec. And potentially, because I haven't watched the the last season, it might have a better ending than Parks and Rec. I, I like the ending of Parks and Rec, but I don't think it's particularly funny, considering how funny the rest of the show is. The ending of 30 Rock is really good. And I will say, I was bummed about the decision they made with Jack's character, but then they brought in... Um, James Morrison? Yep. to, you know, kind of circle things back around. It it is that show, you know, I've talked about in the office here, just shows I fall asleep to. I'll just start it from season one and just kind of go to sleep every night. And with 30 Rock, I forgot how many, like, guest stars they had, like, the first three seasons of that show. Like, how many people, like, Seinfeld, Jennifer Aniston, and just their readily available access to, like, modern politicians and shit like that. David Schwimmer was in it, right? Yeah, the guy went crazy because he was like the the eco system guy. Yeah, he had some like superhero character about recycling and yeah, um, great, great show. Yeah, social distortions, dope. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll have some movie of some sort to plug soon. Uh, I'm in the market for new podcasts, so if y'all have any recommendations, get them over to me. Uh, my plugs, Alex. Uh, unlike you, I've been watching a lot of stuff. Most of it has been shit, so I'm not really gonna <laughs> plug it. <laughs> Uh, but also, I've been watching uh, Black Mirror, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Have you seen any of it? No. I mean, they're like hour-long episodes, but they feel like movies. So you could see it as a really short movie, and okay. then it fits the Mattis rule. There you go. Uh, it's a great show. It's all on Netflix. The first two seasons and the special, the Christmas special were not produced by Netflix, but on Netflix anyway. And then Netflix got the rights, I guess, and they kept going. So I am... Um, Almost done with the third season right now. Nice. Happy to report there's not a quality drop-off once it became sort of an American production. Uh, Love it. I mean, not every episode is a 10 out of 10. 
but they're still really so far the worst episode I've seen it was still like a solid seven at okay. least. Um, lots of uh, really uh, cool ideas, really like good actors showing up. I mean, there are a couple of episodes where I just didn't know anybody, but usually you'll see at least one actor that you recognize from something else, and mm-hmm. here they get to just do something weird and dark for an hour. Uh, but anyway, it's a great show. I, I can say I really hope that it maintains the quality over the next. A uh, couple seasons. Uh, season four has six episodes. Season five has three episodes, and I have one episode left. Season three, so I have uh, ten episodes left. Nice. It's a lot of Black Mirror to get through, uh, but it's. I've been trying to watch one episode every day. So, good stuff. You should watch it. God bless. All right. So that was Crossroads. Those were our plugs. This has been the Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. And coming up, probably my favorite movie that we've covered so far. Slow down. Slow down, because we have to pick up someone, Alex. Okay. I see it in the distance. <laughs> I'm slowing down. We'll catch y'all next time. Who did we have on uh, the last MTV film and Loser? No, I'm thinking American Pie and Blink-182. Never mind. Oh, man, that had Blink and... Uh, wait, when did we do American Pie? We didn't, but <laughs> I was just thinking of, of bands showing up in movies. Okay, well, we'll cut all this.